Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Lamar Jackson is not a he's a free agent. Has there been any internal discussions um, you know, within the organization about perhaps pursuing him? And what do you think? What is your level of interest in that? Yeah, well, first of all, Lamar Jackson's a fantastic player. Um, but you know, where where we stand is you know, it would be disingenuous in, in operating, negotiating bad faith if we went down that path. Um, so right now we have our plan, we have our process, and we're sticking to that. Joe Douglas, Jets general manager. Look, he said what he said, not as part of some broader collusive activity by the league to keep Lamar Jackson down. No, no. They are getting Aaron Rodgers. And finally, some progress is being made. Finally, the ice is beginning to thaw. And Uh the indication yesterday came when Brian Kudekunst told reporters, the GM of the Packers, told reporters that the Packers are not necessarily going to get a first-round draft pick I took that to mean, Whoa. and for a change, my, my interpretation is accurate. They've come off their insistence on yes. the Jets' first-round pick this year. Right. If you're not necessarily going to get a first-round pick, that means maybe we'll get one, which means maybe they'll get one in 24 based upon what happens in 23. Charles Robinson of Yahoo laid it out last night. Second-round pick this year. See, I believe, slash kind of know, the Jets are willing to send two second-round picks and be done with it. One this year, one next year. The Packers want the ability of that pick to escalate to a one based upon certain specific team and or individual performance triggers in 23. The Jets also want some protection in 25 if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play in 24. So something would go back. So it would be a two this year to the Packers as much as a one next year. And then if Rodgers doesn't play for the Jets next year, something back to the Jets in 25. So at least we have a framework. Yeah. We have a structure. We have something. We have a runway. We didn't have a runway before. Now we have a runway, and we see if they can land the plane. And I think it's incredibly significant, Chris, that they've gotten to the point where the Packers have 
abandoned their their desire. Stronger than desire. Yeah. It was insistence right. that they get the 13th overall pick this year as part of the package. Yeah. That, I mean, there's the quote from uh, Brian Gutenkust. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it was, you know, not logical that they were asking for first round picks for the situation that we've discussed so many times. Two seconds. That, that makes sense. You know, maybe even something else added on to that. You know, I, yeah, I would have a hard time pushing or giving a first rounder for anything. There, even if it meant like escalators, I'd go. No, 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 no. He, you're done with him. There's, there's no escalating. You, you, you've escalated that you don't want him. So we are giving you two, a second round pick this year, a second round pick next year, right? And if we, I'll go to the Super Bowl. We'll throw in a fourth round pick, and that that adds on to it. Uh, it's something of that nature. But yes, I'm with you, Mike, in the fact that, okay. That was huge news that they have backed off that. They finally realized or stopped being petty with Rodgers or whatever that that was never going to happen and that it's honestly ultimately not going to make them look good because it's going to go, wait, we're asking for a first rounder and either you're not going to get anything what you want or it's going to be less than that and you're going to look like you lost a deal anyway. So start to change the public narrative a little bit and the expectation floated out there to the media like you were talking about last segment to see how people absorb it and take it on. And I think they're getting to that point there finally. The fact that the Packers are so insistent on getting premier picks for a premier player is further proof that the players really are commodities. This is easy to say from our perspective, hey, you're done with the guy. What's the big deal? But they view this player as a commodity that they own. They own the contract to Aaron Rodgers. So before we give this contract to another team, we want premier compensation in return, even if we are never going to employ him again, even if it's all a ruse, a facade, he's not going to be on the team come week one. We know it. He knows it. The Jets know it. But we're not just going to hand him over. This is a commodity that we want fair value for, even if we're not big picture entitled to it, even if we are being petty, petty even if we aren't doing right by a guy who has given us his entire adult life as a member of this team doesn't matter. We still are in a position where we're going to try to get something good from the Jets. And the good news for the Jets and the Packers is it sounds like maybe Roger Goodell did clunk some heads together. We were talking about it yesterday and I wrote it after the show and people like, it's like people like they, they just, sometimes people deliberately refuse to see the point. Oh, that's not the commissioner's job. Who gives a shit if it's not the commissioner's job? He does plenty of things that aren't his job if they're in advancement of the greater good. The greater good is we'd like to have this done so we can finalize our schedule for 2023. That's kind of important to us. Can we please get this done? You both know you're going to get it done. Would you please just get the damn thing done? So maybe there was. Maybe there was a little visit to the villa suite in which the commissioner is staying at the Phoenix Biltmore. Uh, took your room. Uh, they made took your room. That, it with, was yours. I heard NBC told me it was your room, and Roger <laughs> took it. So you got screwed hey, over. You're uh, here. You're in much for Okay. <laughs> there, there was there was a little back and forth yesterday as well. Well, the back happened 13 days ago. The fourth happened yesterday. We're gonna play you the two competing versions, and we know by now there's always two sides to every story. This kind of reminds me of the sitcom premise that gets used from time to time, where. The, there's always three acts in a half-hour sitcom. Act one, one person's skewed version of something that happened. Act two, the other person's skewed version of something that happened. Act three, the truth. So 
We got act one from Aaron Rodgers a couple of weeks ago on Pat McAfee's show. We got act two yesterday from Brian Gutekunst. Here's the two sides of the whether or not the Packers want Rodgers, whether or not Rodgers wants the Packers story. Have a listen. When I came out of the darkness, something changed. I'm not exactly sure what that was, but something changed. And I got back to my phone after five days off of it. I realized that there'd been a little bit of a shift. Um, and that, that uh, I heard from multiple uh, people that I trust uh, around the league, players mostly, um, that that there was some shopping going on, that, that, uh, that they were interested in actually moving me. Everything you and Aaron did to, I don't want to say repair the relationship, but the last two years after he, you know, said everything he did a couple of years ago. Then he comes out a couple of weeks ago and says you basically went behind his back to shop him and he didn't seem too pleased from your perspective. How did the last couple of months kind of transpire? Yeah, I didn't really take his comments like that and it's certainly not true. I mean, I think, you know, as we got out of the off season or after the season and we, we had a good conversation um, and then you know, we're, we're going to have some follow-up conversations and our inability to reach him or for him to respond in any way, I think at that point, then we just kind of had to, we had to, I had to do my job and kind of reach out and understanding that a trade could be possible uh, and see who was interested, but that shopping was never really part of that. So, so when you gave him that contract extension, you've said publicly your intention was for him to not just play last season, to play beyond that. At what point did it shift to, okay, we need to move on? Yeah, I think so. I think obviously it was a disappointing season, right? And you come out of the season, you have a lot of conversations, not only with Aaron, but with uh, the rest of the team, coaches and everybody. And as you go through that process, you kind of get an idea of where you're going to move to, you know, as a team, how you're going to go forward. And I think I was really looking forward to the conversations with Aaron to see how he fit into that. Uh, those never transpired. So, I, you know, there, there came a time where we kind of had to we had to make some you know decisions. So we went through his representatives to try to kind of talk to him where we were going with our team. And at that point. Um, you know, they informed us they would like to, to be traded to the Jets. But, but you just said you, you did try and reach out to have those conversations, oh, yeah. is what you said. Okay. Many times. So many follow-up questions by that guy. Right, you yeah. should give him yeah. some praise, whoever he was. Good questions. You're usually going, why didn't hey. anybody ask these questions? Way to go, guy. Hey. I don't know hey. your name. <laughs> hey, guy, whoever that was. Good job. Well done. Yeah, Great way job. Way to go. Way to go. Many those times are real questions. is what Gutekunst said at the end. Yeah. All right. So, so. Rogers' version, very simple. Now, he did contradict himself. We've talked about this before. Yeah. He painted a picture when he was talking to McAfee and A.J. Hawk, and he did contradict it later. But the, the version he wants us all to accept is when the season ended, week 18, winning in against the Lions, we lost the game, dust settles, Packers say, we got a spot for you, we want you here. And then at some point, when he's in the closet and he comes out, and he's back in the daylight, he finds out they've been shopping him to his dismay because that contradicts the message that he had gotten on the way out the door. And he contradicted himself later by saying, well, at some point during the season, I kind of got the sense they didn't want me. So uh, never let facts get in the way of a good narrative. Gutekunst's version is season ends. We still have to talk to the guy. We need to talk to him about where he fits and how things go. And he's ghosting us. He's not calling us back. I called him many times. And at some point, if this guy isn't going to get back to us and have these conversations we need to have about the future, we just have to make decisions. Yeah. That's a very different reality totally. than what Aaron Rodgers said. And I'm not here to, to, to determine who's telling the truth or not. We're not the jury here. We're just putting it out there for people to make their own decision. I'm not even advocating one or the other. But, but if I were a lawyer... 
presenting the case, and if I had to choose between one or the other, I'd rather be the one to take up Gutekunst's case. I think I could make a more persuasive argument to a jury that he's telling the truth. Again, because Rogers contradicted himself. And I think for Rogers, it feels a lot more personal than it does for Gutekunst. And it, and it should. Gutekunst is dealing with a constant revolving door of player, 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 player. Yeah. Rogers has one ride. Yeah. For Rogers, this is intensely personal. So I think at times, and it's not necessarily even conscious lying, I think at times you're so caught up in it and you're so upset about things that happened in the past, you have your bias baked in. As you process information, it gets warped as it makes its way from your ears and your eyes into your brain. It runs through that prism of, I don't like these people. These people haven't done right by me, so I'm going to absorb information in a way that is unfavorable to them. And it's not lying. It's just a warped ability to process, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, So that may be why there's two different versions. And I tend to believe, frankly, I said I wasn't going to take a side – I tend to believe Goody Kunst. Well, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's personal to Rodgers. You're right. And there's some things there that, yeah, would make it sway to, you know, his thoughts or what favors him. And Gutenkust, like you said, he's running a business and an organization there, you know. But but at the same time, it, you know, with what he said there, it, it does shed some light on the fact that, you know, well, maybe that's why they're, they were sticking it to him here the last few weeks as far as we want a first-round pick. And they got a little personal because they were like, well, we tried to call you for the last six weeks to kind of figure out what's going on. You didn't call us back. So I, I could see that. You know, it makes me think, too, just listening to Goody's comments there that um, Rodgers, it was retirement or move on. And he just didn't want to be the bad guy to the Green Bay fan base. So he kind of made it look like it's them and they're the ones that are doing this. The, those are the thoughts that go through my mind there. Definitely. But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a little peculiar in the fact that, hey, there's a conversation at the end of the year. We have a little there, but let's talk more about the future and they can't get a hold of them or get in contact with them. Discuss that. Well, of course, then they have to start calling some teams just to cover their bases a little bit. And then that sounds where like Rogers got a little disgruntled. Wait, you're calling teams and. You know, they were probably like, yeah, but we've been calling you, too, and you won't answer. I mean, if we're connecting dots here. So, yeah, it just seems a little peculiar, the whole thing. And, you know, it's funny. At one point in the life cycle of the Aaron Rodgers-Green Bay relationship, I thought he was determined to make sure that when the divorce happened, the Packers would be painted as the bad guys. But – that was before he did this weird heel turn where he accepts the fact that pe- pe- there are going to be people who hate him and there are going to be people who love him and he doesn't really care anymore. But you, you may be right. This is all about not just how he processes the information regarding a party that he has a strong bias against. Right. This is about painting a picture where they're the ones to blame. They did me wrong. Right. They lied to I me. got the feeling, they a false the sense impression. they didn't want me. Right. Uh, that's the kind of yeah. – those are some yeah. of the things he said. Right. Exactly. You know, yeah. again, I don't know. I know we're connecting dots here and doing all that, whatever. But, yeah, it does seem a little of that is going on when you're on the outside looking in right now. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with you completely. And, look, the bottom line is this. We are a lot closer to the trade that is going to happen. The trade's going to happen at some point we're a lot closer to it happening than we were a day ago. And my instincts, which are often wrong, in this case, we're right. Having everybody together, 
presumably has sparked some sort of conversation. Yeah. Good yeah. Kunst and Douglas get together and right. talk it through. Let's be realistic. Come on, Joe. Come on, Brian. I mean, look, they're all part of a very small industry, and the relationships are critical. You can't go around pissing off all these people with these teams because that may be someone you're asking for a job from at some point. So there is an element of positive interpersonal relationship that goes on among these teams. Yep. Let's work this out. Let's move on. We know it's going to happen. Let's just get it done. All right, we're done talking about Rodgers. When we return... How much of a leash does six Super Bowl wins buy for you? That might be an answer we get soon. And, of course, it's something we already talked about earlier in the show, but we're going to talk about it again. More PFT Live right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Is there such a thing as a traveler? Not a Delta. Because we know on one flight, Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. While on the flight after, 8C is occupied by Jen, whose favorite snack is tea. That's why we provide fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members. Because at Delta, we know. Refill? Everyone flies their own way. Delta. Keep climbing. Free Wi-Fi available on most domestic flights. Terms of use apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Would you say anything to the fans right now as to where the team sits and, and what you're trying to put together? What would you say to them right now if they were listening to this? Long way to go. It's March. We, we play in September. A long way to go. A lot of work to do. What, what would you say to them to give them a reason to be optimistic for what's ahead for the Patriots? The last 25 years. <laughs> I love that response. I love that response. But in fairness, Bill, two of the last three years have resulted in losing more games than you won. The trend is not your friend. And the history, I think, ends up being an anchor, not, not a, you know, a buoy yeah. for the Patriots' hopes. We made the point yesterday. The odds to win the Super Bowl are the, the lowest. longest they've been yeah. since 1993, the year before Robert Kraft bought the team. And I guarantee you he is keenly aware of that. He is bugged by what's going on with his team. He still continues to defer everything to Bill Belichick. But if you watch the full 15 minutes, and I encourage you to do it, it's on the Patriots website. We have a link to it in the story we wrote about Kraft discussing Belichick. It's worth your time. He's bugged by where things are. Here's some of Robert Kraft from yesterday, Chris, talking about last year, talking about the Matt Patricia experiment and the status of Mac Jones. Have a listen. I think he got put in a difficult position, and I think it was – sort of an experiment um, and 
he worked very hard at it. And in retrospect, I don't think it was a, the right thing. But And I feel bad for him because he's such a hard worker. He got put in a difficult position. Well, I'm a big fan of Mac. I think he came to us as a rookie. Um, he quarterbacked in his rookie season and did a very fine job, I thought. We made the playoffs. Um, I think uh, we experimented with some things last year that, frankly, didn't work when it came to him, in my opinion. And um, I think we've, we made changes that I think put him in a good position to excel. And obviously experiment, a word that kept coming up. The experiment was replacing Josh McDaniels, one of the most accomplished offensive minds in the game, with the Frankenstein monster of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. And it just didn't work. And you can tell that Robert Kraft is not happy with the fact that it didn't work. And he will hold people accountable. And it doesn't matter how many Super Bowls Bill Belichick has won. The past is the past. It doesn't matter. And if anything is, and I've used this metaphor repeatedly. Some have agreed with me and some have disagreed with me, and that's fine. But you build up a certain amount of poker chips when you win those Super Bowls. And then you start playing them. And he's lost a lot of them. And I don't know how many chips he's got left, Chris. But you consider that fan base is not necessarily patient. And we are getting farther and farther removed from not just the last Super Bowl win, the last postseason win. Their win in Super Bowl 53 was their last postseason victory. The 2018 season, 19, 20, 21, 22. Not a single playoff win since then. Okay, I, I hear you. Man, the last year was not good. I mean, that was definitely a bad mistake. But the 23 years before that got to buy you something. They do. He had more chips, like you're talking about, than anybody in the history of the the the, the poker table. That that's so. You know, again, I'm a little. Like, I understand we're in, like, you got to do it now, do it this right now, and that's the world we're in. But I am a little, like, um, I guess shocked by, I, I don't want to say a disrespect, but the uneasiness the Patriots fans show up there all the time. Like, I mean, again, how long was it supposed to last? How long? It was the greatest dynasty in the history of football times two. So, I don't know, did we think it was going to just three decades in a row? 30 years Patriots Super Bowls. Come on. And then, you know, I understand the way you phrase that. That's not that good. But the way I phrase it was go, no, 2019, they went to the playoffs. They lost. 2020, damn, they were in playoff position and COVID hit. And COVID hit Cam Newton and it threw them off and they barely missed. 2021, they went to the playoffs with a rookie quarterback. And then last year was definitely a little dysfunctional with the offensive coordinator thing, but certainly still there to be had. So I guess I'm a, I, I, listen, I'm, I'm biased towards New England and Belichick. I got too much respect for them out there, uh, up there and what they're doing. I understand they're a little cranky and not happy with what they're doing, and they should be mad about what Bill Belichick did last year on the offensive side of the ball. They should be. And I understand, you know, hey, it's got to improve. Uh, but I, I do think, you know, I don't know, it feels disrespectful at times, not by you, but just by the fan base and the radio stations well, up there at times where I think it's a little crazy and a little over the top. I understand, yeah. but 
That's the fan base they've been dealt. I know. These are the circumstances you have. This is a going concern. This is a team that needs fans to put their asses in the seats every year. They need to be excited about the team every year. And you get to a point where you just assume that as long as Bill Belichick's here, everything's going to be fine. And then after four or five years, you think maybe it was Tom Brady. Maybe it wasn't Bill Belichick. Why can't they solve the quarterback position? What the hell is Bill thinking? Is he drunk on his own success that he thinks he can just wave a magic wand and turn Matt Patricia into an offensive expert? What the hell was he thinking? Yeah, that, hey, listen, that's year, a fair question. If this was yeah. anybody else, right? if it was anybody else, we'd have been saying, has this person lost his damn mind? I know, but you but know what's Bill crazy? Belichick. Well, but so yeah. We can't but, say anything. But he's done that like probably 10 other times in our life where we go, this is crazy, and then it works out. And we go, damn, see, that's why they're amazing. Not like this. No, that not one was a little a crazier than normal. Coach. You're right. I'm not. Right. I'm not disagreeing right. with you there. You're right. That was one. This that, is where. This is where. Yeah. Confidence becomes delusion, becomes hubris. A little bit. I hear you. You think right. you can do anything. You think anything you touch is going right. to turn to gold. And over the past few years, it's been the opposite of gold, frankly. So the question is, and this is where running the business is critical for Robert Kraft. You consider the fan base. You consider the zeal with which the media covers the team. Where are we? Where is the hope that number seven is out there? Do we believe that number seven is ever going to happen under Bill Belichick? I mean, look, we don't have time to play the sound. Again, go back and watch the Kraft press conference. He's asked, he's asked, does Bill Belichick need to avoid another losing season to still have a chance to chase down Don Shula for the all-time win record? And Kraft essentially evades the question and says, you know, I'd like to see him catch Don Shula, but we're not in this for players to pursue stats. Well, the stat we're talking about here is wins, so that's the ultimate stat. But it's inescapable to come to the conclusion when you watch what Kraft said. Yeah, I hear you. That he's aware of where things are, and he's not taking anything off the table right now. Yeah, they're on the rocks. And, and, the marriage is on the you? rocks. Why right. would you? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I, yep. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, you said and it it's right. All, look, hey, Bill Belichick would have been gone a long time ago. If he hadn't won all those championships, he's got a prickly personality. I said prickly with the L. He's an, he's not an easy guy to get along with. We see how he interacts with outsiders. If he treats outsiders like that, how does he treat the people on the inside? Impatient, gruff, standoffish. And if you win, it's okay. But, man, the moment you're not winning, why are we dealing with this guy? Yeah, yeah, those are real-world concerns yeah. that, that – that creep into any organization. Yeah, I, 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 I you're, you're right. You're, you're, you're saying a lot of true things there. You are. All, all I'm saying is that you know, hey, it hasn't gone off the rails totally. And yes, it was a long time. It was last year's decision definitely deserves to be scrutinized. It was the dumbest thing Bill Belichick's ever done that I've ever seen in any capacity anywhere. And I respect Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. I think they were very good coaches in the areas they were intended to be coaches in, not in the area of offensive coordinator. That didn't make sense. So I understand the criticism there. I do. I guess, you know, I have a little soft spot in my heart for Bill Belichick for what he's done, the history of the game. Growing up, he's the Giants defensive coordinator. And I do get a little sick of hearing the New England fan base all over him at times. But uh, I I understand. They're getting antsy. I get that. And it's going to be tough. AFC East, yeah, Super Bowl seven. 
I, it, I, it ain't coming right now. I mean, it would be a miracle in my eyes as we sit here right now in March 2023. Not with that division, that conference, all those quarterbacks right now. Yeah, I don't think Super Bowl Seven's around the corner here. They had a great team. They had great coaching, and they had a great circumstance all those years. The team isn't as good. The coaching is suspect, and the circumstances have gone to crap for the Patriots in their own division and in that conference. So it's hard to get the planet swan. Look at how hard it is to win a Super Bowl. Everything you've got to do just to get there. And then when you get there, how hard it is to win. They, did, they, never, they never went and won a Super Bowl by 30 points. They didn't dominate anybody. Every Super Bowl they won was a razor-thin margin. Yeah. The biggest margin was 10 points against the Rams, and that would have gone the other way if Jared Goff sees Brandon Cooks just a little bit sooner than he did and, and gets the ball to him and doesn't give one of the McCourties, I always forget which one, the chance to run over and knock the ball away. That, the Rams would have won that game yeah, yeah. instead of losing by 10. So yeah. uh, the bottom line is all good things come to an end. The good things in New England have come to an end. The question is, where do they go from here to try to make good things happen again? And at some point, Robert Kraft is going to decide, I need to change my coach. The question is, is it after this year? Is it after next year? Is it after 2025? It all depends on what Bill Belichick does. All right, San Francisco, two years ago, almost to the day, almost to the day, they traded up to number three in the draft. It happened in late March. They make that big move. Mac Jones, baby. They're going to draft Mac Jones, man. That's who they're drafting. (laughs) Sending out out the smoke signals, they're going to take Mac Jones. They had the opportunity to choose between Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. They took Trey Lance. It's now clear that Trey Lance is number two behind Brock Purdy. Some of the things that GM John Lynch said yesterday made it clear Purdy's their guy. And the question came up of possibly trading... Trey Lance. We like Trey on our team right now, John Lynch said. Kyle and I always joke we'd trade each other if someone would give us enough of a good deal. So we listen to anything, but we like Trey on our team. We're very excited about the way he's progressing, about his opportunity. I think he's chomping at the bit to get back out there, back under center, and be healthy again. This is is the kind of thing that if he's untouchable, you scoff. No, no. We the future is still bright. Everything's in front of Trey Lance. He's been dealt a bad hand. This is our guy. We still believe in him as much as we ever did. Yeah. This is our guy. He's not going anywhere. He's under contract for two more years. We have the fifth year option. This is our guy. Anything other than that? Yeah. Hey, if you're interested, if you're interested, make us an offer. Right. Right. Uh, well, uh, I'm not shocked to hear this, Mike. I, I had kind of said this to some San Francisco media personalities at the Super Bowl, and they were like, "Whoa, what?" And I was just, you know, again, it wasn't, I wasn't breaking news or had any knowledge, but just, hey, we know the way the NFL works. Quarterback, high expectations, isn't meeting them, hasn't done anything, hasn't played in two years, was raw in college already and has an injury. You think that solidifies a spot on the roster for you? No. When you say things like that, you go, uh, what I said to, to Matt Mayako out there in the, the Bay Area who follows the 49ers, I just want I think anything's on the table. I wouldn't be shocked if they traded him. Right? Yeah, he's behind the eight ball. He was already behind the eight ball in development and being raw. And now Purdy has passed him up, and he's going to have a guy in Sam Darnold who has talent and has also played more than him and has more of a natural feel for him. So I, I, I would think they're going to field calls for the San Francisco 40, uh, for Trey Lance. You know, maybe maybe they're, they're hoping a team that was hot on them in the draft, right? The Atlanta Falcons, there was, they were always a team that was, you know, kind of uh, attached to him in the draft process that they liked Trey Lance. Would they want to maybe take a flyer and trade a pick to see if they can develop Trey Lance? Would they want to do it? You know, the Tennessee Titans. 
They got Rand Carthon, right? He just came from the 49ers. How much does he like him? Call him up. Hey, Rand, you guys looking for a quarterback of the future? You know, you like Trey, blah, blah, blah. So I, I understand that. I don't think they'll give him away for anything, but uh, I think it's it's fair to be open for business in that conversation with where they are right now. My son is always looking for trade possibilities involving his Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> You're Minnesota He's willing Vikings. to broker the deal of <laughs> Kirk Cousins for Trey Lance. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. So, well, I'm sure and, Shanahan and, might like that too. That he might like that. He well, might take Kirk Cousins right now. Go. <laughs> apparently, at the scouting combine, there was some chatter. There was some noise among people within the broader league structure, not media, but people in the league about Cousins being traded to the 49ers. That was a hot topic at one point in Indianapolis. And, you know, at this point, Cousins has redone his deal. It's a $38 million cap charge. But you know what? If you're going to swap out Kirk Cousins, you bring in a guy who's under a low-cost contract like a Trey Lance. Trey Lance, North Dakota State, close to home, gets a chance, gets a chance to resurrect his career. And I feel bad for Trey Lance. It's a tough situation. I, he, he's, he, he had no say, no power. Yep honor and a privilege to be thrust into a situation where you have the high expectations of being the third overall pick heightened by playing for a great team heightened by everything they gave up to get in position to get you. You're the guy they gave up three ones and a three to get. And all you can go is down. He needs a fresh start. And, and Chris, you know, a point that Pete Demolitis made earlier, look at how the jets have twisted themselves in knots to defend Zach Wilson and keep Zach Wilson. They've never said, hey, hey anybody's, you know, make us, uh, make us an offer. Make a call. Uh, everybody's available. They never said that was Zach Wilson. They've adamantly pushed back on any notion that Zach Wilson's not going to be with the Yeah, Jets. you're right. Uh, that says a lot. I, I don't disagree with you or Pete there in that, that point. Yeah, the Jets, sir, they are. They've been adamant because they see some talent and have seen some things to go, wait, we still think there's something there, you know. The 49ers, you get the sense that, and we got this sense last year, you know, and even in preseason, and when they were like, the, the, it was like, damn, it's just not working. It's not good enough. It's it's scary. It's why they kept Jimmy Garoppolo, who they didn't want to keep. I mean, they didn't want to keep him, but they kept him because they were like, whoa, the guy we're starting is really raw, and I'm not sure he knows what he's doing out here. So they kept Garoppolo because of that. But yeah, we'll see where it goes. And and you know, don't forget too, right, Mike, when this happened. When Rand Carthon signed with the Tennessee Titans, didn't Trey Lance send out a tweet with like yes. crossing figures emoji yes. kind of implying that like, oh, I hope you take me with you. So, you know, I, I think he's probably got some of the same sentiments you're saying there. He's like, man, I'm in a no-win situation. This is tough. I'd like a fresh start. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if something went down, but I don't know what his value is at this point. And if you're the 49ers, Mike, can you trade them away for – I traded three first-round picks for a guy. Can we trade him away for a fifth or sixth rounder a few years ago when he didn't play? You know, I wonder about things like that and how it looks and that they're going to be scrutinized and all that. Does that – would that bother him? What do you think there? What balances is out is the fact that they got Brock Purdy with the last pick in the Yeah, draft. that's right. So you're right about that. Mm -hmm. I, could see, I could see Kyle today – when he meets with the media. Remember he met last year and he looked all he disheveled. He was late. And, and, right. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, do remember. Yeah. I hope he's late and disheveled uh, again this time too. <laughs> well, we'll find out tomorrow because we'll be playing some of it, but I could see him justify that by saying, look, we know it's a crapshoot. We don't know what's going to happen. Sometimes you make a move up and you get a guy that you think it's going to work and it doesn't work. And sometimes there's a guy there at the last pick in the draft and he ends up being the guy who could potentially be your quarterback for 15 years. That's the way football works. We accept that. If you get too caught 
caught up in things like that. You're just gonna you're gonna drive yourself crazy. Yeah, that's right. You, you have are. to keep pushing. You have yeah. to keep taking your chances. They're all lottery tickets. Some work, some don't. So be it. That's all you can really say. Although in hindsight, yes, it was a stupid move to do what they did. They should have stayed where they were. They would have gotten a quarterback in that spot, and there would have been a lot less pressure. That's the one thing that I think teams don't think of because there is that sense of it's all interchangeable parts. You have to think of the impact on the human being of not just him being the first pick or the third pick or the fourth pick in the draft, but everything that you gave up to get in position. It enhances the pressure and the expectations, and these are still young kids, and I do feel bad for Trey Lance. And he's not it's not like he's in a position where he can stand up and say, I want out of here. What's he done to deserve the ability to say, I want out? But he should want out. And anybody who who cares about this kid having a a meaningful NFL career should be saying, yeah, 49ers, why don't you trade him and let him get a fresh start somewhere else? All right, we're going to get a fresh start after the break as Odell Beckham Jr. continues to look for his fresh start. Free agent, not getting the offers he wants, but they're still talking about him in Arizona. We'll talk about OBJ next here on PNT Live. Yeah, there's there's always going to be interest with any great player. Obviously, um, things have to work out. Obviously, there's a there's a whole lot of different things. And again, it's, uh, I apologize. I'm deferring to Joe a lot, but those are things like when when you start talking money and all that stuff, it just it becomes something else. So that's again something I'd have to defer to Joe. You know me when we talked about OBJ guys that are you know we're always going to look for talent, and so we're going to look at anything and everything. And you know our name gets thrown in the hat a lot of things that sometimes. We've done 1%. One person made one call, and they've looped us in that we're all over them, and we've offered them a contract. And, you know, it's, it's funny sometimes. Robert Sala, Brandon Bean, both talking about Odo Beckham Jr., a guy who continues to be one of the best available free agents. He's been available for over a year now. He wasn't healthy last year. He's healthy now. He wants more money than anyone is willing to pay him. So that needs to continue to be – worked on and worked out and maybe after the Jets finalize the Aaron Rodgers deal Chris they can come up with a way to land OBJ Jets and Chiefs I think we've we pretty much agreed are the two most likely destinations or at least the two that make the most sense maybe somebody else swoops in with more money but Jets and Chiefs make the most sense. Yeah, it, it, it does. As, as far as I think a practical matter to where we want to see Odell Beckham Jr. be able to you know, play, play at a high level, capitalize, you know, on good play to where it could become a big contract. Those two definitely make sense. Let alone, I think it makes sense for those teams. I think it makes more sense for the Chiefs, honestly, than it does for the New York Jets. But yeah, those are the, the ones that hit home to me. I, I feel like we haven't really heard Buffalo involved in that conversation at all. And I get the sense that I'm not sure, I don't know, if from – from the Odell Beckham Jr. side of things or the rumors you hear, it seems like it's like Giants, Jets, maybe Kansas City, and the Rams maybe still part of this conversation. Uh, but, um, you know, ultimately, yeah, I, I'm with you in that the Jets and Chiefs seem to be the ones that make the most sense. John Mara, the owner of the Giants, co-owner, along with Steve Tisch, right. said that the Giants haven't closed the door on bringing OBJ back. Les Snead, John, uh, the Rams GM, said they have interest in Odell, but he has to decide his next chapter. On the Bills, I, I thought of something as yeah. you were saying that. You know, they signed Von Miller last year, and what did he do? Tore his ACL. 
here comes a guy that has yeah. the same ACL that's torn twice at a time when the pressure is high. And Brandon Bean just committed a lot of money last year to a guy who tore his ACL during the year. And you know that that's a risk that's always on the radar screen for any player, whether he has a history of torn ACLs or not. At a time when the pressure is mounting on this Bills team to get something done, why would you put yourself out there it's a fair more? point. Because – because then you're going to spend every practice, every game, every rep worrying about Odell Beckham Jr. tearing his ACL and bringing down your tenure as the GM of the team. Also, also, what did we last see from the Bills when they were losing to the Bengals 27-10 to 10 in the playoffs? We saw the gesticulations of Stephon Diggs directed at Josh Allen. We saw Stephon Diggs leave the locker room before the media showed up. Angry tweets by him who, you know, hey, hey, look, he's... We love Stephon Diggs. He's very competitive. And if things aren't going well, that, that competitiveness manifests itself in, in potentially difficult ways for the team. So at a time when Stephon Diggs isn't all that far away from full boil, then you introduce the big personality of OBJ into the mix. That, it's just that there, there may be too many factors here for the Bills to see the benefit. It's high-risk marginal reward for the Bills. And I think the risk is what's causing Bean to shy away from uh, I, I mean, your point about the Von Miller, the ACL thing, that, that's real. It's a good one for sure. And, and if you're running a football team, how could that not be percolating through your brain a little bit and scaring you? Yeah. Now, for $4 million or $5 million, I might be willing to take that risk if it comes down to that. You know, that's, that's, that's where, you know, again, where, was, where does the risk or the payment, you know, meet the reward there. But I think your points are very valid in, in that department. Um, it, but the thing with Diggs, too, I'll say a, a guy like Odell or a presence like that, I think will help o Stephon Diggs. I think ultimately it's going to like make things easier for him. It can't be always, hey, let's stop Diggs. Let's stop Diggs. Let's stop Diggs. I think it could open the field up for him in a lot of ways. Uh, but, you know, what you said there, certainly a fair point, and uh, we'll see where that goes. But I, I don't feel like we're anywhere close to Odell being signed quite yet. I think there's teams thinking about it seriously. I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't heard that yet. Well, he's going to have to soften his expectations, yeah. and he's going to have to ask himself, do I do the one-year deal? Do I try to do a face-saving, multi-year deal that looks like it's, it's worth more than it is? And I think it's going to take time for him to get to the point where he accepts this is where he currently stands, even though it's far less than what he thought he would be getting. All right, we mentioned that the Giants haven't closed the door on a reunion with OBJ. The Cowboys haven't closed the door on a reunion with Ezekiel Elliott. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. Had a chance to talk to you since the decision with Zeke. It's, it's over the decision of moving off from Zeke and how tough it was. Uh, it was all about uh, uh, making the adjustment principally because of the cap. But did y'all make him an offer? Um, no. No specific offer. No. Hey, what you're saying is down the line, he's available, you have a need, you could revisit that? I don't want to ever, uh, and I don't want to leave him hanging, or fans hanging, or anybody. But I wouldn't take any possibility off the table. Not taking any possibilities off the table. Ezekiel Elliott potentially could go back to the Cowboys. Look, I was told from Elliott's perspective there's a very slim chance of him going back. That was a couple of weeks ago. That was before we had that weird report from Shefty last week that 
Elliot has three finalists, the Bengals, the Jets, and the Eagles. <laughs> and I, I, quickly, I quickly found out that, that they were his wishes. That's it. They were his wishes. Yeah, I want to play for the three Super Bowl teams offer. too. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, isn't that that's that's a that's a that's a power move. I could say the same thing. I, you know what? I have narrowed my field of three NFL teams down to the Vikings, the Steelers, and the Jaguars, uh, and right. I await their response. That, yeah, and, and that's what it was. Yeah. And, but you know what? You know what, Chris? This is the value of having an agent, because when you have an agent that's got the relationship with the people in the media and needs a favor. Favors get traded all the time in yeah. this business. It can be dirty. It can be sorted. I've learned a lot about it over the years. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You help me push my BS narrative out there, I'll make sure you get the first word of where Ezekiel Elliott is going to sign. And it exactly works that way. It don't, don't, don't fool yourself. It does. So Shefty holds his nose a little bit. You don't sell your soul all in one bulk item. You slice it off one sliver at a time. Sells a little bit of his soul, pushes this phony narrative, creates the false impression that Ezekiel Elliott is choosing between the Jets, the Bengals, and the Eagles, never mind the fact that none of them have made him an offer. No. That Zach Taylor that same day said, basically, that's good. news to me. Right. So, so even though Elliott didn't want to go back to Dallas, at the end of the day, Chris, if all things are equal, if it's crickets elsewhere – and the Cowboys have a light on for him. Why wouldn't you go back to Dallas? I, I, that ultimately, I mean, that, it's what I've been saying. I think it's where it'll end up. I, I do. You know, I, I don't think the grass is going to be greener anywhere else. And he's got a place in Dallas where they love him. I mean, they love him. You talk to Jason Garrett or anybody associated with that Cowboys organization, they love him. Love him to the point where, you know, they let him have a contract that was probably too good, honestly. And, and then let him have even an extra year of it. To, to love him that much. I'm sure he's bitter. I get it. It's personal. But I think as things calm down and he realizes, wait, there's not really a market for me. That place was pretty good, and they did do good by me. And you look at it and go, hey, Tony Pollard might not be ready to go all the way to start the year. You know, you if you get the right contract with some incentives, maybe you can hit some numbers and, and make that a little more lucrative. But I, I am still one that will say, yeah, like I was shocked when he sent then that tweet was sent out. I was like, wait, are those teams really interested or is he wishing to go there? Like, I want to go to the three best teams in football. Well, me too. I do too. But, you know, I think ultimately he's going to end up back with the Dallas Cowboys on something that's a little bit more with the minimum and maybe some splash incentives in there. Uh, but, but I just don't see it anywhere else. This is where stubbornness can really take over for a player because it was supposed to be that at the scouting combine, Elliott's agents would find out what's behind door number two, door number three, door number four, what the other alternatives are before they reject whatever the best offer is the Cowboys made. Yeah. Clearly, there were not other offers. And clearly, Elliott was not going to take less than what he was supposed to make from the Cowboys. He refuses to entertain that. So cut me. And he just assumed, like, like players sometimes do, that there's going to be more of a demand for his services than there was. And at this point, there's none. I've heard of no team no. interested in Ezekiel Elliott other than the Dallas Cowboys. And I think at the earliest it's going to happen after the draft. We've talked about this repeatedly, primarily in the context of Austin Eckler. 
There are so many young guys coming into the draft pool every year, full yeah. tread on the tires, right. cheap if you draft them in the mid to late rounds or get them undrafted. Why would you commit to Ezekiel Elliott when there's a chance there's going to be some stud tailback who in other years would have been a first rounder who's sitting there smiling at you in round four and you take him? Forget about Ezekiel Elliott. Well, I mean, look at Alvin Kamara. He was a third round pick. Sean Payton was thrilled to have him in round three. And there may be other guys like that. So why would you commit to Ezekiel Elliott until you know whether or not you get that guy in the draft? So I think at best, Elliott's waiting until after the draft, Chris. Yeah, I, I, I would think so, too. I, I wouldn't be shocked to hear that. They did sign Ronald Jones, right? And I think you're right. That's where, you know, ultimately teams will see what happens in the draft, who falls to them, and then, okay, reevaluate. We have an OTA. Wait, we do need another running back. We need a power running back, a short yardage. And that's where Zeke does have value. His ability in short yardage situations, I think ultimately will get him on a football team. I do, at the end of the day, expect it to be the Cowboys like you. It has become something of a sport in recent years to take a close look at the annual photo of the coaches from the league meeting, and it is a sport that we like to play, too. We're going to have some fun with that picture when PFT Live continues right after this. There it is. 29 of the 32 coaches showed up for the photo. A lot of times Bill Belichick isn't there. He is. And I actually spent valuable time yesterday scanning that photo, making a list of all the names, and then coming up with the three that weren't there. All are pictured except Nick Sirianni. And I knew I was going to forget the other two. Mike Vrabel and Frank Reich. Those are the three who are not there. Those are the three who are not there. So today's draft... Is our favorite things about the annual coach's photo, Chris. Uh, have at it. All right. Well, I don't know. This is probably wanted to be your first pick, but I, I can't. I, it's the thing that jumped out to me, too. Our Sky viewers are going to love this, right? But I don't know. Does Brian Dayball not look like he's the bouncer at some English pub in London or some Irish pub in London? I mean, what's he got working there? I mean, does he not look like that? You know, you brought up the thing on during the during the text last night. It almost looks like he has an ascot on, too, which also would fit into that mold or whatever. But his look overall and then the hands where they are a little flexing of the pectoral muscle. Right. I mean, if he's not the bouncer at an Irish pub or an English pub. Uh, you know, and then I don't know who is, but th- that is the first thing that jumped out to me. <laughs> I, I, I immediately thought when I saw that shadow, he was wearing an ascot and I texted him. It looks like you're wearing an ascot and I think you should go get an ascot. Would that not be something that remember when Charles Woodson was on ESPN? He yeah. Wear an ascot he wore it all the time. Every right. time. Right. Yeah. I, I want to see Brian Dayball with an ascot. Uh, I mean, he can get away with it. You wear the blue, the the outer, the quarter zip. That, that's Giants officially licensed gear because right. you know they have to they have to wear that and then do something under it with an ascot. Brian Dable, I'm counting on you to do that. He looks like right, he should be in Snatch with like Guy Ritchie or like I think it's great. Lock, stock or two I, I, smoking been, barrels, like some English movie. That's where he looks like he should be in. <laughs> it was the first thing that popped to me when I saw that photo. Brian Dable looks like a badass, and you know what? When you're the coach of the year, you're allowed to look like a badass. You already have the aura of badass around you. All right. Uh, a couple of the big 
Feckers stood out to me. And (laughs) even though we were with Kevin O'Connell in Indy, man, he seems huge in this photo. And he's standing next to Dan Campbell. I mean, he decided to pick the biggest, baddest guy around and stand right next to him. Now, we saw this tweet last night. He told Gabe Henderson of the Vikings official website, when he's next to a couple of guys rocked up like Dan Campbell (laughs) and Robert Sala, you take a step forward. You take a step forward. As he did. And you can see he's in front of both of them. I can't tell whether any of the guys standing are on their tiptoes, Rodney Harrison slash Cristiano Ronaldo style. But O'Connell looks huge there. He looks huge. Well, he's 6'5 plus, so he is a big damn guy. And I think that – I don't know if he's taller than Dan Campbell, but I do think that little calculated move of stepping up makes him look just a little thicker and bigger – than he should. So that was a smart move there. That was. I mean, Robert Sala, who's a pretty jacked human being, looks skinny and like the shirt doesn't fit fit him next to him because he's sitting next to two guys who were, like you said, there's some big feckers, both of those. I mean, O'Connell. Hey, you know what? You know what yeah. Howie Roseman. You know what right. Howie Roseman would say to Robert Sala. Get a you? tighter you shirt. Look like a guy who lost. <laughs> you look like a guy who lost weight, and you're too cheap to buy clothes that fit. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, come on. You're the coach of the Jets. You're right next to New York City. You should be wearing some Gucci or Armani or something like that. Perfectly fit. All right. Well, I'm gonna. Um, the next guy I'm gonna rag. On, I'm gonna rag on Shanahan next. That's where I'm going next. Look at Shanahan. Shanahan up. It's like he wasn't ready for the pick in the top left he's not smiling I don't know it's like he didn't realize they were going I don't know if his eyes are open or not it looks like he might I think be... he went I think he just got back from cure relief <laughs> maybe he's looking down at Lafleur and McVeigh it looks like he's looking down at them like well why did they get a seat and why am I gonna stand I don't know you know didn't I teach them everything I know I should be sitting and they should be standing uh, I got a kick out of that. Just Shanahan's pose, the look on his face, and the fact that he didn't look ready for the shot made me chuckle. I think it's just the attitude of, I really don't want to do this. Why am I here? Yeah, most likely that is exactly with, it. So I can go back to cheer relief. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, next one for me. Next one for me. And, and uh, this is a very real question. This is one of the dangers of wearing shorts as a grown man who's going to be sitting next to other grown men, especially if the grown man sitting next to you also has shorts. There is a very <laughs> high risk of accidental bare leg contact. And, and it's, it's, it's unavoidable. Bill Belichick and Andy Reid rocking the shorts and sitting right next to each other. How do you avoid that awkward moment when uncovered thigh touches uncovered thigh you're right that's, you're uh, right they're both they're keeping their distance balance. there and like yeah andy's got his legs way too close together because he's like man i'm really jammed in here between rivera and bill belichick neither one of them looks all that comfortable like they're squeezing in there so uh yeah you're right they're the two only guys wearing shorts those sexy legs right. they got they had to show them off we're going to take a break. Two more very important observations on some high-level football analysis <laughs> from the coach's photo when PFT Live continues right after this. What did you think about Jordan Love in that quarter? What about up in the game that he played against you, what was that, two years ago? Who's that? Jordan Love. Um, I can't remember Jordan Love. Packers, um, you started that game when Rogers missed it because of COVID. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, um, I thought he. I mean, what I remember, I thought he was good. Yeah, yeah. 
Hey, hey, look, when you have Patrick Mahomes, when (laughs) you have the guy who was on track to be the greatest of all time, you don't need to pay attention to anybody else's quarterback (laughs) depth chart. He's 10. He's Green Bay 10. He's not Jordan Love. I don't need to know anything about him. He's never going to play for me. He doesn't matter. I have Patrick Mahomes. All right, give me one more observation from the coaches. Well, I mean, I talked about Dayball being the 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 bouncer for the pub. I I got to get to the owner of the pub or the owner of the club, McVay. Look at Sean McVay. Is he running some L.A. hot club here? The only guy wearing glasses, right, in the picture other than Dayball. But he looks like he's the club owner and Dayball's the bouncer outside. Uh, he's looking at cooling back, sitting in the sun, looking good. Yeah, that was pretty good. I like Sean McVay. And, and Sean Payton sitting next to him. He's got the very wide legs there. Whoa. And I, do, I mean, it's it's almost like turf battles. It's like primal stuff, like law of the jungle. Who's real? You know what I mean? Who's the man? I'm the man. I'm this. The other Sean. I'm the real Sean. Look at me. I'm the real Sean. I'm going to win another Super Bowl. The other Sean isn't. We're done. See you tomorrow. See you. Not from Arizona. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.